Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The NFL gets going early this year with the Battle of Ohio highlighting week one. You're listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast, an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. Right out of the gate, I want to address this idiotic nonsense out there that the Cincinnati Bengals have the most loyal fan base in the entire NFL. If you're laughing, you know exactly what it is. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I am somewhat uniquely qualified to to get to this because I am actually a former, in a former life, Bengals fan. So I know what it means to be a Bengals fan up close and personal. And I'm going to tell you something. They are not the most loyal fans in in the NFL. So let me tell you a story of something that just happened to me recently. Um, I've been doing some some work on my house, you know, pulling up some carpet, redoing some hardwood floors, that kind of thing. And I kind of messed up my back, so I wanted to go to the chiropractor. Now, my chiropractor, I love my chiropractor. Great man. Stouter Chiropractic, Troy, Ohio. You need a chiropractor, go there. That's for free, all right? Tell them Joel sent you. Okay, <clears throat> talking about chiropractor. Now, this guy loves sports. Big Bengals fan, big Reds fan, big Ohio State fan. He's, he's just into sports, always doing sports, always talking about sports. I go in there, we talk for half an hour about sports. Just wants my take on sports, all right? So I go there. And I looked at him, and he's getting ready to adjust me. Saying, so it's a big week this week. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, you know, it's a big week this week. He's like, well, who are the Reds playing this week? And that, my friends, is what Bengals fans are all about. Who are the Reds playing this week? That is like the quintessential of what it means to be a Bengals fan. If they had to pick between the Reds, or the Bengals, it is the Reds every single day of the week. And because the Reds have Ellie De La Cruz, McLean, 
couple guys in there for the rookie of the year. They're in the hunt of the wild card race. They're they only care about the Reds, right? So my chiropractor starts going on. Well, yeah, it's a big week because the Reds have four pitchers on the COVID list, and the other pitcher, Nick Lodolo, isn't coming back. I heard a 10-minute diatribe about the Reds before he said, well, what do you mean it's a big week? Like, um, the Bengals are playing the Browns in Cleveland. He's like, oh, I didn't even realize it was week one. That's a Bengals fan. That That is who Bengals fans are. And I'm not saying that because, oh, it's my chiropractor and he just blah, blah, blah. No, that, I mean, that's just like the typical Bengals fan, right? They're more interested in, in the Reds. Cincinnati's a baseball town, and that's fine. If something, you know, like St. Louis, they're a baseball town. Phenomenal. We need baseball towns. You know, the Cincinnati Redlegs being the first ever professional baseball team. Uh, celebrate the Reds, you know, be, be Reds fans. But Cleveland, that's a football town. Okay, that's a football town. I live in Cincinnati Bengals territory. I see these people every single day. I'm telling you, they are not the most dedicated football NFL fans in the NFL. So the Canadian Sports Betting Bureau or whoever the heck put this together, um, they're just trying to get you to place bets. This is a hype piece. Just wanted to clear that up. But... You guess it, it is a big week, and if you're a Browns fan, you actually know what I'm talking about. The Battle of Ohio is week one. Here we go. Here we go, Brownies. So this week, we're going to have to start asking the question, what the elf was that? So this week, we're going to start with week one, and I'm hoping when we come to week two, we have some good things to talk about in the what the elf was that segment, and hopefully some good things to talk about. But let's talk about the keys to week one. What do the Browns have to do to win this game? And what do the Browns need to, to stop? What do they need to achieve to make, to win this game coming up? So let's talk a little bit about the Bengals first. One, Joe Burrow's playing. The, the Browns and the Bengals are not going to be playing in the Battle of Ohio a division game. And division games count basically as two games towards the playoffs. When you start thinking about games, you start thinking about tiebreakers. You're thinking playoffs, it's week one. You need to think about playoffs in July, okay? If you're going to make the playoffs, you need to think about the playoffs in July. So a division game is huge on tiebreakers. So if you say, let's say the Bengals and the Browns have the same record at the end of the season, but the Browns beat the Bengals twice, then the Browns win the division because of tiebreakers. And the sooner you start thinking in terms of tiebreakers, the better off you're going to be as a football fan because then you will unlock what games are important in the NFL and which ones are not and will enhance your game experience. So week one is huge because you start right out of the gate. Browns Bengals in Cleveland. That is a division game for the Browns and it is important that this game is won. So, you know, Joe Burrow will play. So any of you out there thinking, Oh, Joe Burrow is not going to play. I mean, it's Tuesday. I'm recording on Tuesday, September fifth about nine o'clock so i don't know maybe burton that i'm i'm pretty much guaranteeing that joe burrow is playing the important statistic you need to remember is that in any games in which joe burrow is sacked four plus times minus i think at one game four plus times the bengals are one in four and in those games where he's sacked more than four times joe burrow does not reach a qbr above 100 
the key to beating Joe Burrow is to sack him. And the Bengals understand this, which is why they brought in two new offensive tackles, Orlando Brown, and I believe they're moving somebody to the right tackle, or they're getting the guy they wanted to play right tackle last year is actually going to play. <clears throat> they're trying to double down on their offensive line at this point to protect Joe Burrow. Because when he gets hit and he gets sacked, that's when the Bengals lose. So the Browns, the key, is going to have that pass rush. Agba Ogbenaya, Zadarius Smith, Miles Garrett. You got Dalvin Tomlinson coming up the middle. Don't count him out as a pass rusher. Maurice Hurst is a pass rusher. Don't count any of these guys out as pass rushers. They will be the key to the game. Getting to Burrow and sacking Burrow will be the key. Apparently, you sack him, he gets rattled, he's not thrown so well, he starts hearing footsteps, go get him. So the Browns need to get after Burrow. Pressure is crucial. Second of all, they need to control Mixon. Mixon out of the backfield is a great receiver. He gets the ball. He's good. He's a great pass-catching running back. If you've watched the preseason games, the one things that the Browns have struggled with are those screen passes to the, to the running back. So I'm sure the Bengals have seen this. I'm sure we're going to see a good mix of Joe Mixon catching balls out of the backfield as a way to disrupt the Browns' defense. <clears throat> On offense, the Browns need to throw the ball. The Bengals' secondary has been weakened by the loss of their starting safety, Jesse Bates III. He's gone. Chidobe Aluzier is not ready to play week one. The secondary is going to be a lot of young players out there. It is time for Deshaun Watson to step up and throw the ball. Because the Bengals' defensive line is a pretty good defensive line, and they can bring pressure. So Jedrick Wills is going to have to be on his game. Jack Conklin, who isn't the greatest of pass blockers, is going to have to be on his game for the Browns to succeed on Sunday at 1 o'clock. So the Browns have the dogs. They have the receivers. They have everybody they need to go out there and have a tremendous passing game, but they need to go out and execute that against a weakened Bengals secondary. The Browns also need to pass to open up running lanes. Again, DJ Reader, BJ Hill, these guys up in the middle, up in the front, if you don't do something to plan for them, they're going to make your day long and hard. So the Browns need to figure out a way to open up the running lanes. Those will open up by themselves. Should they be able to open up the pass game? Pass the ball to open up the run lanes. Then when the run lanes are open, just pound Nick Chubb, pound him, pound him, pound him which will bring up the backs and then open up the passing game more. The Browns need to work as a cohesive offensive unit, combining both a 60-40, 80-20 pass run ratio, heavy on the pass given the secondary. And the Bengals didn't help themselves in the offseason at all in terms of re-upping that defense. The defense lost players, but they never replaced them. And they've got a huge amount of cap space. So they could have replaced them. They just didn't. So I don't know if the pressure, the point here is to help out with the, the offensive line to protect Burrow, but that's the key to this game. Throw on this secondary. And the offensive line is going to have to control the game. If they let that Bengals second defensive line come after them, whoever's in the secondary isn't going to matter. 
So you've got to have that offensive line set and good to go. Batonio, Pochick, <clears throat> Wyatt Teller, they've got to be on their game. But more importantly is Jed Wills and Jack Conklin. They've got to be on their game. This is the time for the offensive line to step up and prove that they are, in fact, one of the best offensive lines in the league. Going to have to prove it this week because the, the, the game is ripe for taking. But you have to pass, 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 pass. And and to, that is the key to beating the Bengals second, beating the Bengals defense, and thus winning the game. All right, let's move on from the keys. The captains, the Browns have named team captains. So this year, the team captains for the Browns are Deshaun Watson, Anthony Walker Jr., Joel Batonio, Miles Garrett, and Charlie Hewlett III. And to me, I want to just take a moment and say congratulations to Charlie Hewlett III. I think he's been the captain for couple years now but at least it's not one of those elfin kickers out there that can't make kicks over kick their coverage and i seem to be the only one that's upset about bohorquez but i'm i'm just waiting for bohorquez to overkick his coverage and then they give up a touchdown <clears throat> people will be like why are we overkicking our coverage browns do it all the time i'm sure it's a strategy i'm sure some analytics somewhere says if you kick the ball 60 yards and let them run it back 40 20 yards before you tackle them that's better than kicking the ball 20 yards and having them fair catch it i'm sure there's some analytics somewhere that's telling you this is a good idea i think it's a dumb idea but <clears throat> hey i'm not the coach and that's probably a reason for that <laughs> all right we're gonna take our break on the other side of the break we're gonna check out the rest of the division games this week and we're going to look at some interesting games in week one as a fan watching guide. As a Browns fan, what games should be interesting? What games are on the radar? Why are they on the radar? Why are they interesting? Uh, we're going to delve into some of this stuff. So see you on the other side of the break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Alright, and we're back. All right, everybody, we've talked about the week one Bengals-Browns game, but you know who the Steelers and the Ravens are playing week one? Let's start off with the Steelers matchup. The Steelers have the San Francisco 49ers coming into town, into Pittsburgh for week one. Now, you would think, okay, this is going to be an interesting game. I'm not sure who's going to win this game because the 49ers are coming in. They're coming into the Brock Purdy. Nobody really talks about that. Everybody talks about CMC, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, that whole crew. What people aren't talking about is that George Kittle may or may not play. In fact, leaning towards not playing, which will significantly lower that offense because Kittle, or excuse me, well, let's just say Kittle. Kittle is the tight end in that offense, and that's Shanahan offense, and this is Shanahan running it, loves those tight ends. That could be a significant weakness for that team if they don't have that, that coming in. Plus, Nick Bosa is currently holding out 
which would significantly weaken the 49ers defensive line if their star pass rusher isn't there. So missing a key offensive player and a key defensive player, this is going to bring up some trouble for the 49ers. And then you've got the Steelers, right? And this is just the, the hype machine. I mean, you go on the internet and you think that like, like, oh my gosh, it's the second coming of, of uh, Ben Roethlisberger and, and, uh, Terry Bradshaw with with, George, with with Kenny Pickett. I mean, I, I'm not sure what they're thinking with Kenny Pickett. Maybe I just don't see it. I don't know what's the big deal with this guy. I mean, I don't, maybe maybe a sophomore year he's going to be better. I mean, you do make big jumps from your freshman, your rookie year to your second season. Maybe there's something going on with Pickett that I don't know that everybody else sees. I just don't see how they're going to get a whole lot better. So the 49ers are going to have to stop the run. Nick Bosa would help there. Should be an interesting game. I still like the 49ers in this game, um, but that kind of depends on Nick Bosa. As, as as of the recording right now, Nick Bosa is still holding out, and I could see Nick Bosa holding out for all of week one. And if, if he does show up to practice tomorrow for Wednesday, he's probably not playing the significant portion of the game. So leave it to the schedule makers to give the Steelers and the 49ers a week in which they don't have George Kittle. They don't have Nick Bosa, but rest assured, when it comes Browns week, these guys will be on the field. <sighs> Which leads us to the next, the next situation here, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. I'm actually a Ravens fan. Go to hell. I'm actually a Ravens fan. Yeah, the Ravens. So I, I'm wondering how much the biscuit man, Steve Bisciotti, owner of the Baltimore Ravens, is actually paying the schedule maker. Have you seen their schedule? I mean, people talk about, oh, it's going to be tough on the Ravens to start out because they got all these road games against AFC North teams in the first five weeks. But that also means is all these games against the AFC North, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Ball, or Cleveland, in the last month and a half are all going to be in Baltimore. So to in the stretch run of this season, Baltimore has all home games against the AFC North. And in good college football style, they get to start the season with a practice game. Now I'm not talking about the 25 consecutive wins that they had in the preseason, which is idiotic while we even know this. I'm talking about the fact that the schedule makers scheduled the weakest ass team in the NFL to go to Baltimore for week one. They're starting the, I'm talking about the Houston Texans who are starting a rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback first start for a rookie quarterback with a predominantly extremely young football team going to Baltimore with a seasoned veteran defense and an offense that, well, you know, they might be trying to get their legs off the ground, but an offense that has Lamar Jackson. And if you haven't faced Lamar Jackson, you're not going to be ready for him. This team, this Texans team just got set up. More importantly, I think the Ravens just got set up for like this 56 to nothing Alabama type beating down of middle of, Bodunk County, Alabama to the left of Georgia situation. So 
kudos to the schedule makers for giving the Ravens a practice game to start the season. This is going to be nonstop stupidity. The Ravens are going to come out and they're going to destroy this team because anybody who's going to play the Texans week one is going to destroy the team. Think about the Browns when they played Justin Fields in his first NFL start and the Browns sacked him like 10 times. This is what it's going to look like in Baltimore week one. So kudos to whoever, you know, Biscotti for paying off the schedule maker for giving them the easy, uh, easy kickoff to the league where they got a home game against the worst team in the NFL who probably will be vying for the number one pick again to, to set up their, their season. So just get ready for it. After week one, it's going to be a lot of Raven stupidity, a lot of Raven stupidity because they beat up a rookie quarterback in his first start and they beat the crap out of a team that has, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with the Texans. Like, like why are they fielding the team? I'm sure there's a lot of Texans fans out there, but I don't know. You explain to me why you're fielding the team right now. I get your plan for three years from now, but you're actually playing, you know, six days from now, five days from now against the Ravens. You're just going to be like this easy run over team. So whatever. All right. That's the look at the division games. I will note that the Steelers are playing an NFC team. So when it comes to tiebreakers and comes to the playoffs, this is one of the most least significant situations so if the 49ers do come out and beat the Steelers that is a considered an NFC game that is the very last tier of things considered in a tiebreaker for possible playoff positions so not so worried about that the Texans that is an AFC game and the Ravens get an easy cheap AFC win of course by the time the Browns get the Texans these guys have all played 10 plus games and it'll be a completely different team but, hey, you know, maybe we need to pay the schedule maker a little bit more money, and that'll work out for us. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about some other NFL games out there. I want to highlight a few games that are just interesting, that I think are interesting, and some of which may have actual implications on, on the Browns and potential future playoff situations, provided the Browns season's rolls the way we hope it rolls. But the first game I want to point out is the 1 o'clock Panthers at Falcons. Um, why am I bringing this up? I mean, these are probably going to be the bottom two teams of the, uh, NFC East. However, you got Bryce Young making his first NFL start for the Panthers and they have looked really bad. So I share an affinity with Panther fans. I kind of like following the Panthers. This does not look good for the Panthers week one. The only consolation of this situation for the Panthers is that they're playing the Falcons. And the Falcons are out there starting Desmond Ritter. And Desmond Ritter was a third-round draft pick, although I liked Desmond Ritter. I thought he was the best guy in the one of the better players in that draft last year. I would have taken Desmond Ritter over Kenny Pickett any day of the week. But <clears throat> Desmond Ritter's coming out there with limited experience, and you're talking about the Falcons here. So, I mean... This could be a wild, wild game. That's a one o'clock game, so I don't expect anybody to watch it. But if you got NFL Plus, you can go back and watch the replay. That'd be one worth watching. Uh, second game, Jags at Colts. Now, this is an AFC game. Uh, that alone makes it a little bit more interesting than the Panthers-Falcons. It's because you need to follow the AFC. Jaguars are favored to win that division in the South. 
and you've taken on a Colts team that is starting a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson. So again, this one might be a young guns kind of thing. Come out, watch the young and upcoming talent in the AFC. You're talking about Trevor Lawrence, who some people think are coming into his prime, coming into his own. I'm not quite convinced. I still think if you attack Trevor Lawrence up the middle, he gets panicky and he bails out of the pocket. Just watch some games from last year, particularly the games where he was playing well. Um, that's the book on Trevor Lawrence until I see. Otherwise, the dude needs to stay in the pocket, take some hits, and throw the football. Um, he likes to escape to the right, as we all used to watch Baker Mayfield do all the time. We also would watch Johnny Manziel do this a lot, just escape out the back of the pocket. Well, Trevor Lawrence has that, I'm going to escape out the back of the pocket situation going on. And that defense... Um, still is pretty razor sharp. So the Colts defense is pretty still pretty razor sharp. So they might be able to handle some of this situation, at least in terms of the front seven uh, with Trevor Lawrence. And then we're talking about Anthony Richardson. Again, a rookie making his first start. Now you're not watching this game because it's going to be a good football game. You're watching this game to evaluate where these young quarterbacks are at. So Richardson, I don't know. I mean, I didn't even like him in college. He's one of those guys that kind of just – flew up the chart out of nowhere because of his athleticism and his arm. Okay. You know, I didn't like uh, Josh Allen coming out of college. So I thought he was some guy out of nowhere and look what he did for himself. So Anthony Richardson could do the same for himself as well. This is an AFC game. So this will have some implications on tiebreakers uh, for the Browns. Um, should any, should, you know, whoever we play in the South uh, make a difference. All right, next game I want to get on to is the Packers at Bears. Now, this one's a shout-out to all my Chicago homies. I used to live in the Chicago area for a long, long time, and and when the Browns, may Art Modell be cursed, when the Browns did not exist, I moonlighted as a Packer fan for a while. And uh, it's interesting to watch to see what happens in this rivalry. The Packers and the Bears are a huge, huge rivalry in the state of Illinois, also in Wisconsin. Big game, kind of like a Bengals-Browns game to start the season. You've got the Packers coming out with Jordan Love and the Bears coming out with the name just eludes me in the quarterback, Justin Fields. And I'm interested to see how much Justin Fields has actually gotten better. Where is he at in his game? Is he really that much better? Is he really going to be that good? Because a lot of people are picking the Bears to win that division. And I think uh, Jordan Love and the Packers may have something to say about that. Whatever you say about the Packers, they are well coached. They may not have the guns. They may not have the receivers. They may not have the players they need, but they play defense, not players on offense, so to speak, but they play defense pretty well. And uh, we'll see if Jordan Love can add some mobility. We'll see what he can do. That's another game. Let's just watch this game and see what goes on. A couple young guns in the NFC. Could be the uprising of some talent in the NFC to see who can challenge some of the the, the stable kind of people like Kirk Cousins and Jalen Hurts in the NFC and see if these aren't the guys up and coming. Final game I want to talk about are the Bills at Jets. Now, I promise you this game will have implications because the Browns play the Jets toward the end of the season. And right at the beginning, right at the beginning, you know, you've got the the big guns in the AFC um, East going at it. And it's interesting to say that because it used to be the Patriots for so long. Now it's the Bills and the Jets. 
Week one, Monday night football, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. It's going to come down to who can who can play better defense. I kind of think the Jets might be able to pull this one off on Monday night football. Depends on how fast they can gel. That defense was really good last year. I mean, really, really good last year. Gave Josh Allen some fits. Now they've got a quarterback that can throw the ball. They've got some receivers that can catch and run. I mean, Monday night is going to tell us if the Jets are legit or not. If they're legit, they could pull off an upset of Buffalo. If it's a lot of hype, if this is Brett Favre 2.0 in New York, watch for the Bills to come back and uh, put them back in their place and remind them who's boss. But either way, week one is going to be a lot, lot of fun. So as a Browns fan, keep an eye on those AFC games. Keep an eye on the Jaguars and the Colts. Keep an eye on those Bills-Jets game on Monday night. If you're interested in some just interesting football to see what's going to happen, Packers and Bears, Panthers and Falcons, these are games to tune into. Keep an eye on the AFC North games where uh, the Texans are going to be absolutely obliterated in Baltimore, and then we're going to have the Ravens train going choo-choo for the next 20 years. Lamar Jackson's the second coming of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, Todd Monken, oh my God, how could the Browns have let this guy go? You know, we're going to hear it all. We're going to hear it all after week one. Just just be prepared, and that's going to give them credibility for the rest of the season. Oh my God, you see what they did the Texans week one? Well, who wouldn't have done that to the Texans week one? <coughs> 49ers and Steelers is going to be an interesting game. Keep an eye on that one. Keep an eye on Nick Bosa, see if he's going to practice on Wednesday, see if he comes back to play, and uh, – be interesting if George Kittle is there and how much is that going to you know change up the offense? Um, can he pick it? Is he real? Is he not real? I mean, uh, stump, stats say one thing. Everybody in the NFL says something else. Of course, you know, the NFL lives off hype and the Steelers are one of the more, you know, active fan bases in the NFL. Plus, I mean, people I know are pretty arrogant, but whatever. Um, because, you know, they're the Steelers. You know, that's stupidity going on. So, interesting. Week one should be fun next week to break all this down and say what happened. So, until then, I'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow host Joel Cade on Twitter at The Left Guard. 